I'll go start the coffee. I'll be down in a minute. Scooby-dooby-dooby-doo-wop. Pastor and Laura, wake up. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Pastor and Laura, wake up. The time of day where we get up, we read a chapter of the Bible, and as we read, we discuss it, ask questions, things we've noticed, things that I don't understand, and then... Things I don't understand, too, <laughs> we try and figure out. Well, you, you know more answers, because you, you studied the history on this, this book, particularly. We're reading through Acts right now, and uh, we were just talking about the other day how we have been, it's just mostly like a historical, you know, an a- kind of an action, yeah, narrative, an action account, <laughs> like this happens, then he goes here, then these people say this, then he gets arrested, and, you know, and we're just kind of, the, my questions mostly are, like, what's happening, what year is this, where is it, you know, what happened first, who's with him, and it's very, you know, like a narrative story and when we do start a book that's like i don't know galatians or something (laughs) where it's where we're digging more into doctrine our questions and our discussions probably going to be a lot different yeah even if we just moved on to romans romans is one of the great yeah doctrine books that might be a good idea we're open to ideas we're open. We're open to ideas. Okay. What if people have suggestions? Well, we're I'm not gonna do. I don't want to do Revelation, but we could do any no. other book of the Bible. <laughs> no, I just recently read Revelation. We'll uh, we'll think about it. But this is yeah, very. It's a timeline of what happens first, second, third in Paul's journey. So there is, there are some sections that we might be getting one a day where. He talks a bit and gets into some doctrinal things, but for a while here, it's just kind of seeing God's grace in Paul's journey. Yeah, at the same time, when he does make speeches or when the sermons are made by Peter and Stephen and the sermons by Paul, there are many proof passages in there. What I mean by a proof passage is something that we base one of our beliefs upon because they stated very clearly. Um, For example, in Acts 2, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. It's just a clear thing that what does baptism do? Baptism is for the forgiveness of your sins. That's something that it actually gives to you. So while it is this chronological account that keeps going. Mm-hmm. It's like every book that the Holy Spirit gives to us there. <coughs> Excuse we, we, me. we learn more than just what Paul did. Right. We learn what God is revealing to us about his will. Okay, so once when I was young, now I, w- I was young and this memory could be like a false memory or... I was little, so I wasn't really listening very well. But I have a memory, one of my pastors saying to me that in every passage in the Bible, it's either law or gospel. 
Like, every passage of the Bible can be... Well, every passage of the Bible does show you your sin law or shows you your Savior, Jesus. And I, I don't know if I'm misremembering him or I just... Or, or he meant, like, in a very, 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 very vague way, like, because in this, if you read a passage that says, like, And they you know, boarded a ship for <laughs> Philippi, or, yeah, Jerusalem. As the soldiers were about to take Paul in the barracks, he asked the commander, and that's, that's the whole passage. Like, mm-hmm. when you read the whole section, you can say, this section shows God's plan or God's grace and, um... Or it shows, like, because, you know, we live in a civil world. Or whatever. You can, like, step back and look at the whole section. But um, have you ever heard anybody say that? Or, and, I see. or is that just, like, a totally weird thing no. I'm remembering? I, I've heard it. And I, and I don't know I can pin it to any specific person. Maybe it's just kind of a general thought that's out there. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just a very simplistic way of looking at the Bible and it's it's a useful tool that you can use when you are reading to say is this I would say section I wouldn't say verse like you said just broadened out is this section showing me my sins or is this showing God's plan of salvation to forgive my sins and if you're looking like, for those two things, uh, Psalms and things where, you know, David or someone is just like praising God, and it's like, that's just adoration of God. Well, that I would be gospel. That, okay. That's what the. But the see what I mean? It kind of like it moves oh, you to it doesn't do. explain how we have salvation or why we need it. It's just saying God is great enough to provide it, and I don't know. It's just like such a broad thing. But I think about it all the time whenever I'm reading something like this historical I'm like this is just yeah so and so got on a boat and went from here to there and is this law because we're sinful people and we can't fly around so we have to take boats or is this you know gospel because he chose such a great time in history for Paul to be spreading the you know I don't know so well, you just see like, I mean even it's a weird in these accounts but I if you look at them, you, you see clear gospel that the Apostle Paul is being sent to the Gentiles to save all these yeah. lost. Yeah. So to every single city. And then at the same time, you see the law where uh, that people are enemies of Christ if they do not believe in God. Mm-hmm. So what do they constantly do? Rather than just ignoring Paul, they try yeah. and silence him and kill him. So... It's there. I think it's a useful tool. But I would not... I personally would not go so far as to say... Well, I just every brought it up single because I think if I heard it... And I could be totally wrong. Maybe I was like... They, maybe he did say section and I thought he said verse. Or maybe, you know, like I said, I was in grade school. So it's not like my memory is totally perfect. But if anyone else ever heard that and that confused... You, you're not alone because I've been confused about that my whole life. <laughs> and I think about it all the time. I should just kind of like erase it from my memory or adapt it to say section. But I'm always like, every verse? That's crazy. Every, and every time I read, I think about it. I'm like, oh, I wonder if this is live. I would just, I would zoom out a little bit more 
And again, it's a very useful tool okay. for when you read the Bible, say, what is God saying to me? Yeah. That you aren't good enough to go to heaven, so mm-hmm. you need a Savior, or this is what your Savior did for you. Mm-hmm. And when you read things like 1 Corinthians 13 about love, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. love is patient, love is kind, not envy, not boast. What is that? It's law. Both. Yeah. No, it's law. Well, it's law because it's what God expects of us and we can't do. But it's also gospel because that's what God, God's perfect love is. That mm-hmm. for us, He wants yeah for us. So, but still, if it's something God wants you to do, that's law. So to wrestle that's something that God does for us, it's gospel, right? Yes. Oh, so. But, so then we're both right. I would have to look at that section, <laughs> but I will concede well, that you are right in saying God's love is perfect. It is. There. And that's why he saved us out of his great love for us. Mm-hmm. Because he is patient and kind and yeah. not envious. Okay. All right. Well, I guess we're ready to get started. I just, you know, think about these things sometimes. And that's what we're doing. Talking about what's on our mind, about the Bible, little Bible chat. Not so much of a devotion or a Bible study, but more just reading the Bible and talking about it, which is what I think everyone should do at home, you know? Yeah. Just and write down your questions and think about them and talk about them and look up your answers. And if you don't know where to look or who to talk to, start by emailing you, pastor at thesprings.lutheran.org. Mm-hmm. Or, or whoever you're... Your pastor. pastor is. Make them answer questions about the Bible. That's their job. <laughs> well, yesterday, or should I say in our last uh, episode, we read chapter 22. Stop just short because the verse 30 starts with a section that goes into 23. So today we'll be doing chapter 23 with just a few verses preceding it. Before the Sanhedrin, Paul had been went to Jerusalem, attacked by a crowd, was being arrested by soldiers, sort of for his own safety, and he started saying, I'm a Jewish person, let me speak to the crowd. And then he spoke to the crowd, they got mad again, and then they were going to go. You said he was a Roman. Well, first he said, can I speak to the people? And and then they said, yeah. But they, he let him speak because He's he Greek. was very educated. Right. Yeah, he knew Greek and he knew Aramaic. And but then after he spoke, the people got mad again and were like mob rioting again. And the commanding officers were going to whip him and, you know, put him in his place to satisfy the crowd. But he said, I'm also a Roman citizen. And that's where we kind of left off the Mm -hmm. commander was upset when he realized he'd put paul a roman citizen in chains so we are picking up 22 chapter 22 of acts verse 30 before the sanhedrin the next day since the commander wanted to find out exactly why paul was being accused by the jews he released him and ordered the chief priests and all the sanhedrin to assemble then he brought paul and had him stand before them that's the end of that 
Yeah. <laughs> the end of that chapter. Now, chapter 23 starts seamlessly. The story continues. Mm-hmm. Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, My brothers, I have fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience to this day. At this, the high priest and Ananias ordered those standing near Paul to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. You sit there to judge me according to the law, yet you yourself violate the law by commanding that I be struck. Those who were standing near Paul said, You dare to insult God's high priest? Paul replied, Brothers, I did not realize that he was the high priest, for it is written, Do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. Okay, wait. Let's stop right there. Sure. Some things there. Yeah. So... So the commanding officer brings all these people together. He's released Paul from custody, but he asks him to come back and explain himself. Yeah, and he brings him in front of the Sanhedrin. Now he's what, just like sitting back watching everybody argue? Yeah, he's trying to figure out what like what a, is actually kind the of charge. Like a judge, but not really a judge. Yeah, what is the actual charge that these people have against him that would make them riot in their temple and try and beat this man to death? Then Paul says something. Ananias tells his tells the people close to him, hit him on the mouth. Well, he called him a whitewashed wall. No, right before that, oh. he struck him. He said, all he said was, I fulfilled my duty to God in good conscience to this day. And then the high priest ordered oh, yeah, you're that, right. him to get hit, which, you know, it's weird to think about, like, in a modern-day court of law, that if two sides are arguing, you can't be like... Bailiff, bailiff punch him in the <laughs> face. Go hit him in the mouth. Yeah. Um, which, you know, which shows that, obviously, a court of law is not a court of law, and this isn't technically even a court of law. It's just the commanding officer having, like, an impromptu... Sure, and in the mind of the high priest, he had spoken blasphemy. That he had spoken in front of the high priest, who was supposed to be the person that goes between God and men and helps people understand the will of God, that he has done what God wants him to do which is something very different than what the high priest at that time understood that they should do. Mm-hmm. So then the part that caught me, and I was just reading the notes on verse 5, um, they said, how dare you insult God's high priest? And he said, I didn't realize he was the high priest. For it is written, do not speak evil about the rule of your people. According to my notes, because I'm reading out of the Concordia Self-Study Bible, there, it says there are different ways to explain this. One, Paul had poor eyesight, suggested in other passages, and he failed to see that he actually was the high priest. He failed to discern that the one who presided was the high priest because on other occasions others have sat in his place. Three is my favorite. He was using pure irony. A true high priest would not give such an order. Or four, he refused to acknowledge that Ananias was the high priest under these circumstances. So, yeah, when he they say, how dare you say that to the high priest? He goes, well, I, didn't, I didn't realize he was the high priest. For it is written, do not speak evil about the leader of your people. So he would, he's saying, if I would have known you were the high priest, 
I wouldn't have said those things. But did he really not realize it? Or is he saying that, you know, like, we should honor God before men, or you're not acting like a high priest, or according to these notes, there's different ways to take it. What way do you think is the most accurate? Uh, I would take it as Paul being a little sarcastic. Yeah. And just saying, yeah, if this is the way that he is treating me, well, I didn't realize that guy was the high priest, the one that I should go between. And Paul does use sarcasm uh, in other times when he's talking about uh, circumcision at one point. He... They were either talking about, and he says, "Well, I, I wish that I wasn't just circumcised, but completely, basically castrated, you know, for the Lord." So he uses sometimes hyperbolic statements yeah. to just kind of no, jab does at these use people. Sarcasm in other places. That wasn't really an example of sarcasm, but hyperbole, sarcasm Hi- are different. I know sarcasm is to cut. Well, Which I guess no is. Let's stop here before. It's you not a good pun. Okay. Get yourself into. You're right. A mess. You're, okay. This. All right. Anyway, anyway so he uses he uses hyperbole or different language. I would I would err towards that. He's an before emotional the, speaker. Yeah. Right? That's the way I think of him. Anyway. Um. Verse six. Then Paul, knowing that some of them were Sadducees and others Pharisees, called out in the Sanhedrin, My brothers, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. I stand on trial because of my hope in the resurrection of the dead. When he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. The Sadducees say there is no resurrection, and that there are neither angels nor spirits, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. You want to say anything about that before I keep reading or yeah is it kind of self-explanatory well a way to remember the Sadducees is because they're sad you see see. (laughs) because they don't believe in the resurrection but Jesus had an encounter with the Sadducees and these are like sects of of Judaism Judaism correct but they're not have they hmm, they're the people in power that are teaching and the, it's the, weird to think because of how Christian churches are today. If there's a serious divide amongst a doctrine, then you kind of form different churches. You know, like these people believe, you know, that it is the true body. These people believe that it's symbolism. And so now we're going to be different synods. You know, they wouldn't necessarily be meeting together in the temple or working together on the Sanhedrin. But I guess is the Sanhedrin But Judaism is, is more like, about nationality. Okay. It has become more so of a... So it's okay for them. They're working together to stop blasphemy, but don't they think of each other as blasphemous groups because mm. they don't believe the same things? They, they both believe in the same God. They both uh, would go back to Moses. So the Sadducees really only use the first five books of the Bible, the books written by Moses. Okay. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Which they call the... Torah, or the Pentateuch. Yep. So... I wasn't quizzing you, I was just trying to remind myself. Okay, I was like yeah. Pentateuch so something. five, yep. five, and okay. then two teaching. 
So, but the Pharisees, the they Pharisees, go to prophets or something, or all all the way through what we what we use as the modern Old Testament. Okay. So, but when Jesus was talking to the Sadducees, he said, "Doesn't your own Scripture teach that there is a resurrection from the dead?" Mm-hmm. Because when the in the account of the burning bush, when he is talking to Moses. He says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, you said, says, see, he's a God of the living, not of the dead. He doesn't say, I was the God of Abraham, Isaac, mm-hmm. and Jacob, but I am because they are still alive with me in heaven. Yeah. So he, Jesus disputed them. It's not just us nowadays saying, oh, yeah. there were all these things. They... They were wrong. So Paul, in verse 6, he knew some were Sadducees and Pharisees, so he called out. So in a way, he's like... He's just messing with them. Right, yeah. Which is why before (laughs) I was like, oh, I didn't realize he was a high priest. He's like, oh, I believe in the resurrection, which is the big thing they'd always be arguing over. Yeah, so he's trying to get them off track and not focused on him. Or he's trying to prove, prove to the Roman officials... How ridiculous this charge against yeah. him is because they can't even yeah. Yeah. make up their minds about things. He's being very strategic. Um, all right, so, yeah, let's, let's continue on. No, verse 9. Oh. oh, was there something you wanted no, to say about no, something? No, that's fine. No. I, I wasn't. I just oh. said the wrong verse. Okay. There was a great uproar, and some of the teachers of the law who were Pharisees stood up and argu- argued vigorously. We find nothing wrong with this man, they said. What if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him? The the dispute became so violent that the commander was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces by them. He ordered the troops to go down and take him away from them by force and bring him into the barracks. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. We have a new section. So, stop there. Anything? Yeah, just that Paul's strategy worked. Yeah. And that the Pharisees come to his defense because they'd rather anger the Sadducees than they would attack Paul. Mm. Oh, maybe it's an angel or uh, someone speaking through him, which Mm -hmm. is what the Sadducees don't believe. Yeah. So... And then the commander puts him in the barracks. Again, not, like, as a punishment. It's for, like, his own safety, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll keep you here so that you don't get torn to pieces by these mobs. And then the Lord stood near Paul. That's kind of cool, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, just heard a voice or maybe an angel of the Lord or... He felt God's presence, or how do you think that would be? I guess I don't want to speculate too much, but it's just interesting that they say he stood near Paul instead of the Lord spoke to Paul, or he heard the voice of God, or, you know, an angel came to him, but it says that, and there's not many other details, so it leaves it kind of open. Well, Paul had a very unique relationship with Jesus. He was called directly by Jesus. He was trained by Jesus for three years in Arabia 
Uh, there are multiple times when the Spirit tells him which way to go or what to do. So he, we, we consider Paul to be an apostle being sent out directly by Jesus to do things. And I, I would take it as nothing different than Jesus being there and making this known to him, whether that's a physical manifestation or Paul sensing him in some way. It's really not important. The important thing is that his comfort was sent to him. Yeah, telling him that you'll survive this because I have something else for you to do. And get ready because you're going to Rome. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to appeal all the way up to the high priest. Or uh, a Caesar, I'm sorry. Yeah. All right, next section says the plot to kill Paul. Verse 12. The next morning the Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. More than 40 men were involved in this plot. They went to the chief priests and the elders and said, We have taken a solemn oath not to eat anything until we have killed Paul. Now then, you and the Sanhedrin petitioned the commander to bring him before you on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about the case. We are ready to kill him before he gets here. But when the son of Paul's sister heard of this plot, he went into the barracks and told Paul. Then Paul called one of the centurions and said, Take this young man to the commander. He has something to tell him. So he took him to the commander. The centurion said, Paul the prisoner sent for me and asked me to bring this young man to you because he had something to tell you. The commander took the young man by the hand, drew him aside, and asked, What is it you want to tell me? He said, The Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul before the Sanhedrin tomorrow on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about him. Don't give in to them because more than 40 of them are waiting in ambush for him. They have taken an oath not to eat or drink until they have killed him. They are ready now, waiting for your consent to their request. The commander dismissed the young man and cautioned him, Don't tell anyone that you have, that you have reported this to me. So, this is a plot to kill Paul. <laughs> it's a plot to kill Paul, and it just shows how... Obsessed? Yeah, obsessed, and just... The, the fact that you would try and kill someone for speaking an idea because you can't refute them on yeah. the case of ideas. It's just, it's so sad. That so they want, they want to um, kind of like ambush him while he's being transferred from the barracks to whatever place that they would do the hearings. Yeah, or... You know, if Paul is seated and they're able to strike him in the mouth without the Romans messing with him, yeah, what would stop that guy from having a sword? Yeah, I guess. So. So, but then the commander hears about it. It seems like this nephew is pretty young. Why? Well, just the fact that, you know, he took him by the hand, led him to the side. Hmm. Just kind of the way I see it. Maybe. Doesn't he call him a young man as well, rather than this man? Yeah, it says young man. Wait, I'm sorry, what verse is that in? Uh, There's one in 17 and 18, 19. Mm-hmm. And then 22. 
So I don't know that I see, I guess it could be a boy, could be a teenager or something. Uh, there's one historian that believes this is about between 24 and 40, so. Oh, yes, young that's, man. That's <laughs> uh, not exactly a, a young boy. I don't know it's, about the, there's all sorts of weird touching in, in the Bible <laughs> that, like, yeah. you know, people kissing each other, you it know, it's just their culture, culture and their greetings, so I didn't really think about that when they said took him by the hand, just kind of like, sure, you know, I don't know. Maybe. I wouldn't trust, a, like, a five-year-old with this duty. <laughs> like, yeah. Go say exactly what you heard, and then you get there, and it's like... Oh, no, I had a mental image, and it was not right. Well, so. I mean, we don't know for sure. It's just different people's thinking, but... Anyways, Paul transferred to Caesarea. Verse 23. 23, verse 23. He called two of his centurions and ordered them, Get ready a detachment of 200 soldiers... 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen to go to Caesarea at nine tonight. Provide mounts for Paul so that he may be taken safely to Governor Felix. He wrote a letter as follows. Oh, great. Got some, some Greek names in here. <laughs> or Roman, I suppose. Claudius Lysias to His Excellency Governor Felix. Greetings. This man was seized by the Jews and they were about to kill him. But I came with my troops and rescued him, for I learned he is a Roman citizen. I wanted to know why they were accusing him, so I brought him to their Sanhedrin. I found that the accusation had to do with questions about their law, but there was no charge against him that deserved death or imprisonment. When I was informed of a plot to be carried out against the man, I sent him to you at once. I also ordered his accusers to present to you their case against him. That's the end of the letter. So the soldiers carrying out their orders took Paul with them during the night and brought him as far as Antipatris. The next day they left the ca the cavalry, or they let the cavalry go on with him while they returned to the barracks. When the cavalry arrived in Caesarea, they delivered the letter to the governor and handed Paul over to him. The governor read the letter and asked what pr province he was from. Learning that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will hear your case when your accusers get here. Then he ordered that Paul be kept under guard in Herod's palace. Yes, so... And that's the end of 23. That's the end. It's... So the commander takes this pretty seriously, this threat. The fact that he sends... The threat on Paul's life. The threat on Paul's life. He sends him with 470 soldiers. What? To guard one man. 200 soldiers, 70 200. horsemen. Two, oh, yeah, okay, 200, yeah, 470, you're right. So 470, and what the Jews had is 40 men. Well, that was the Sanhedrin. The day before, there had been the big mob of people from yeah. all over the city. But he's still very well protected, and it's, I mean, the Romans, they love to flex their power. Yeah, they don't mess any, around. Any, any chance that they get. <laughs> yeah, they'll... They'll show strength of, oh, you were planning on... There's a reason they control this. half the world at this time, yeah. you know? Yeah. So they go and they get him safely there and they send him up the line and say, listen, you're... Maybe they're it's not weird that he's like, I, I found out this 
there's no charge against him that deserved death or imprisonment. But I'm sending him to you so you can hear the case too. <laughs> it's like, well, there might be something. Oh, like, but, but for whatever reason, they want to kill him. But it's nothing that I would sign off that... It's like Pilate saying, I find no charge for death. And I can't just beat this guy. Because Jesus wasn't a Roman citizen. So Pilate could just beat him within an inch of his life over and over again. Yeah. So he gets... He's in Caesarea, which I will have to look at my maps again. But is this near Cilicia? Is he saying like... Oh, that's a part of my area, or is he saying it's not a part of my area, but I'll stay here. You can stay here, and I'll protect you anyway. Yeah, it's Which not one? exactly. Okay. There's other jurisdictions that might be better, but yeah, this is because He's it. Like, but this, yeah, the I'll make people of my area yeah. are very upset about this. Oh, okay. So I will listen to it, but then. He also sends Paul to, you know, Herod's palace. Which is in... Well, it would have been down there near Caesarea. And Caesarea is more on the coast of the Mediterranean. Hmm. Just a little, if I remember correctly, a little north of... Still in the southern part of Israel. But he, but he doesn't send them to the stocks. He doesn't send them to prison. He sends them to, he's basically under house arrest in this mm-hmm. palace. And he's going to be there for a while and write some letters there. But we'll get to that okay. a little bit later. All right. Well, there was a lot to talk about today. Yeah. <laughs> Tomorrow, 24, the whole section appears to be the trial before Felix. Mm-hmm. So we will dig into that tomorrow yeah. thanks for listening and we'll what? get the truth <laughs> even if you can't handle the truth mm, no <laughs> we'll make as many no many court puns as possible no we won't i will okay <laughs> if anything if we missed anything that you wanted to talk about or you have a question about any of the things we read or said email pastor mm-hmm. yeah but answer it or Are you if you're tell a ma- them your email? Sure. Pastor at the Springs Lutheran <laughs> dot org. Or if you're a member of my church, just stop at my office. I'd always love to talk to you about the Bible. Give me a text. Mm-hmm. So Or if you're not a member, you could still come to your office. Oh yes, yes. It's not like <laughs> it's not members we have only. a secret code to get in the building. <laughs> no, I just wave and then I'll oh someone wants to talk about the bible wonderful okay have a great day bye-bye scooby-dooby-dooby-doo up pastor and laura wake up